Operation Dairy Farmer, milking cows and making cheese on my small farm in Wisconsin. And I'm Matt Kinzera, and I know next to nothing about farming, but I'm on this food and farming adventure. Gather with us around the farm table. The sun is coming up, so I start to call the cows in. Cubos, cubos. It's the way I've been calling cows in for years. It's the same way my father did and his father before him. It's the way we've been calling cows in for four generations. The cows have a routine when waking up. Still sleepy-eyed, they shift their bodies back and forth, working on their momentum to lift their 900-pound bodies off the ground. Some let out a little moan as they stretch pushing their bellies to the ground while raising their shoulders and their hips to the sky, coming in to a perfect yoga position, rightly known as the cow pose. We walk from the pasture to the barn, none of us in any hurry or particularly wanting to start the day, just enjoying the pink sunrise and the smell of the wet dirt after a long winter. This is why I farm, I think to myself for mornings like these. Matt, welcome to the farm. I'm so excited that we're getting started on our first podcast. This is way more exciting for me, I think, than it probably is for you, because what you may or may not know by this point is, Inga Witcher, you are royalty in the Kinzera family. <laughs> we are diehard around the farm table viewers. And so to me, this is very surreal that I'm sitting with you right now. And I have to tell you that I'm guessing that my parents are more proud that I am with you doing doing this podcast than probably they are that I graduated college. I mean, it's that kind of exceptional. I could listen to you say this all day long. I love it. Oh, we can it. just keep going. This will just be a podcast about how amazing yes. it is. So what are we I doing today? It. Well, today I want to take you down to Wheatfield Hill Organic Farm. It's about an hour away from here in Durand, Wisconsin. And Helen Keys, along with her daughter Chris, and her husband Bob and their grandkids, they run this beautiful organic farm. They're known around our area for grass-fed beef, asparagus in the springtime, beautiful tomatoes. They do a little bit of everything. And she's somebody who's really inspired me here in my farm. She's made me realize that I can farm with intention and building the health of the soil. Because one thing I love that she says is we can't have healthy people without healthy soil. And it's something that now I think about every day here on my farm. Well, that makes sense. And Helen must be some kind of special if out of all of the people that you know and that you've interviewed throughout the years that you got to pick one person to be your primary first out of the gates podcast interview. And it was Helen. So she must be spectacular. She certainly is. So come along with me to Wheatfield Hill. We celebrated our Century Farm on August 21st, 2019. I discover mule shoes. I discover Indian artifact. And what came before that era, I don't know. And now I guess the things we discard that future generations will find will be rubber tires. How disgusting. We love to think of ourselves as individual and set apart above or on or not. We're no less nor no more than the gorgeous bluebirds that are coming back along with the robins. 
no less and no more than the whooping crane I actually heard two nights ago. We are part of all that communication system. It's, it's mystical, and we're part of it. So part of that gold standard has to be, did I enhance that in my little, little teeny short window of time here or not? Hopefully I didn't degrade it. Does that make you think differently about farmers when you're hearing that, you know, really she's here to make a difference for that short time that she's on the planet? Yeah, I guess as a person that's not a farmer, when you think about farmers, you get a little selfish and you just think, hey, those are just the people that make the food that right. I eat, you know? But I love when she thinks about it on a much deeper level. But I do think that when you hear her talk, there's this is bigger than farming. This is something that we could all learn from, this idea of what are we doing in this short little period of time we have? Right. How are you making a difference for what you do? I mean, it's it's just like, boy, I want to support farmers like that, right? Or I want to support right. people like that. Because there's farmers that don't treat the land well, and then there's people like Helen who this is just who they are. Right. It's a part of their being. I want to ask you something as someone who, I mean, we're all eaters, right? So like when you're eating dinner when you're planning dinner for your family are you thinking about what we're putting in our bodies is really going to affect our health is that something that you guys are consciously thinking about it is now it wasn't growing up it wasn't for most of my life but there definitely comes a point and maybe it's just getting older <laughs> where your body starts we're to not be... that old yet <laughs> no you're not i am but there's a point when your body starts talking to you a little louder, where it starts saying, hey, that thing, you know, that Twinkie that you just ate, you're going to pay for it. And so I think the older I've gotten, the more that I start thinking, hey, what is this that I'm putting into my body and how is it going to help or how is it potentially going to, to hurt me? So yes, I think, and I think we are seeing a movement of that in our world as a whole, which is why people like Helen are so important. Well, take a listen here because I think Helen really explains well her position on the health and why it's important to her and how it's affected her since she was literally in the womb. Every corpuscle in my body, every bone was built from, not from the food that was present, from the soil, from the very earth, from those microbiota that was feeding that plant that fed my mother that fed me a wash for nine months in the amniotic fluid from the water pump from the well here if it had been full of contaminants if it had been high in nitrates what would i be i would be different if those plants weren't highly nutritious if they hadn't come from very fertile ground if they had been treated in some manner or another with something that degraded what that life was, plants are alive. They feed living things. So I am no less than no more of what the earth is here. That is such an amazing concept that Helen talked about because I think we live in such an individualistic culture. In America, we are just all about ourselves. But Helen talks about not only are we connected to one another, which is really important, but we're also so intimately connected to the earth, which that's a concept I don't think I've ever even thought about. That's 
that's interesting. I mean, I suppose as a farmer, I think about it more because the earth is really my bread and butter, right? I mean, I have to take really good care of what I'm doing here in order to thrive here on the land. But I like hearing that from you. I think as people, we were meant to be in groups. We were meant to be supporting each other. And I think we've gotten a little farther away from that in this age of technology and, you know, so much going on, right? Maybe food can be that bridge that brings us back to uh, that community. Because everybody loves food. Everybody loves food. This is perfect. <laughs> this is perfect. I think you're right. So 2020 has been nothing short of a nightmare. <laughs> I mean, I woke up in January thinking this is going to be the best year ever. And every day since, I'm convinced that it's going to be the worst year of my life. Right. This has been crazy, right? It's been nuts. And I- then... And then we hear that just a few days ago, suddenly there's a tropical storm coming to Wisconsin, as if that's ever happened. It makes me a little bit nervous to see what's going to happen next. Like, every I, month is this going to bring some more bizarre I, I feel episode. like we should start building an ark or something, <laughs> exactly. like back in biblical days or something crazy. It's just as nuts. But the important thing in all of this is that is not really what happens or what's going on in our world right now, but how we deal with it right. and how we respond to adversity. Because we can either let it ruin us as an individual and as a society, or we can figure out how to become better based on what's been happening. Well, Helen has a few thoughts on that, so let's give her a listen. Adversity has always opened up avenues. Always. So, rather than bracing against adversity we may as well embrace it greet it and look for the avenues thinking back I mean when we started I thought Oof, we, need a, we need an additional cash revenue we need a revenue stream here as my brother would say we need a revenue stream so well I thought okay I had my husband put in three acres of sweet corn. That's how it started. Otherwise, we were just a regular old dairy, dairy beef, raising springing heifers farm. And gee, we sold it out of the back of the pickups, and that worked as good as our initial direct marketing effort. Well, that that went pretty good. So we, we tried a little more sweet corn the next year, and that went pretty good. And eventually I thought, boy... We're sitting out here all this time in the back of these pickups. We had a big fleet of three by this time. The entire fleet was only worth about $1,000. I thought, what if we had melons to be selling at the same time that we're selling this sweet corn? Okay, we'll try melons. That went pretty good. Matter of fact, it was going so good, I had dropped Chris off at a location in Ellsworth and I went on to another location. At the end of my day, as I came back through Ellsworth to pick Chris up, I saw people lined up in front of her wagon buying something that we hadn't had. They were all buying cantaloupe and muskmelon from her. So I pulled in and parked and waited till the customers are gone. I said, what is the deal? And she said, well, that guy up there, he's got melons. He's practically giving them away. He had them left over from the St. Paul Farmer's Market. And he pulled in here on Sunday. So I thought I'd just go up there and buy a bunch of bags full and bring it back here. 
It was like selling hotcakes, only she was tripling her price. So we said, we're going to raise more cantaloupe musk melons. Well, and of course, from there, we probably raised 20, 30 different crops. And in amongst those crops, no less than, no less than I would say, 200 varieties. But the most valuable thing on this farm, bar none, are the people. Oh my goodness, that is a farmer mic drop, right? is what that is. <laughs> bar none, the best thing is the people. If we learn nothing else from this interview or from life in general, then that, ah, oh, that was spectacular. I knew you were going to love Helen. I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> she's, you know, she's the type of person that like sometimes you want to be around because she's so inspiring, but other times you're not sure you want to be around because sometimes we don't really want to hear the truth. <laughs> right. And uh, she just says it like it is. She says it like it is. That's one thing I love about her. And she's so right about the people here on my farm. I'm not doing this alone. You know, I mean, my father's here all the time. He was here since the very beginning teaching me about how to graze pasture, teaching me about how to fix fence, milking cows. My brother has been here helping, my mom, uh, my husband. I mean, there's just the neighbors. Really, when I think of farming for me, and I think for a lot of other farmers too, we need good people, just like anything else, good people. Yeah, that couldn't be more true. And again, in this crazy year that we're having, if we could just be good people, I think it, I think we're going to be okay. I think we'll make it through. But that's that's the important thing is to remember just to be great people to, to those around us. Now, here's a funny story that I want to tell you. And maybe it's something that other people are thinking. There was this time I was in the grocery store with my wife. She's very much into health and wellness and eating what we should eat. Good, yeah. Yeah, she's way better than I am in, in everything in general, but definitely in this food thing. And there was one day when we were shopping together and she put something in my grocery cart and I said, hey, what's that? And she described it to me and then she told me how much it was going to cost. And I said you realize that we can get the non-organic one for about a third of that price. And we got in a little bit of a tiff around you, this. You said exactly like my husband. That's what issue. he <laughs> But I know if I want to eat right, I might have to pay a little extra for it. Is that true? Well, here's the thing. I, I think a good example is when we talk about local beef, when you're buying uh, beef directly from that farmer, especially if it's grass-fed, right? When you're raising a grass-fed steer, you're raising it for an extra year. So in Wisconsin, we're raising that for an extra winter, which is six months of feeding hay. It might even be like nine months, <laughs> right? depending on the year. I'm, just, I'm always just trying to be optimistic <laughs> with the six. <laughs> I know, gosh, it was snowing in April this year. So there's an extra cost with a lot of this. A lot of it, too, is harvested by hand. And is there a reason we shouldn't be paying our farmers a living wage? I think this is something that I butt up against a lot. I'm making a product here on my farm. I'm doing cheese. I put a lot of love into that cheese. I farm in a way that supports the ecosystem. And I want to make a living wage off my farm. So I'm charging a premium for my cheese. It's worth it. And I think after talking to Helen, I was a little bit shy. I think a lot of farmers are a little bit shy about charging for their product. But it's worth it. And Helen, she reminded me of our worth. And I think it's 
a good thing to know your worth. And I think as someone who's purchasing food, and like I said, my husband's the same way at the store. He's like, do we have to buy the organic stuff? I mean, it's so much more expensive. <laughs> and it's like, oh, come on, you know. We're <laughs> organic farmers, maybe of course we Maybe the problem do. with this world is it's the men. Husbands. It's yeah. men. I've just figured it out. I'm the problem. <laughs> what we're doing as farmers, we're thinking about your food a thousand times more than you're thinking about it. We're thinking about the health of that food a thousand times more than you're thinking about it. We're thinking about the right time to harvest that food, or in my case, the right diet to feed my cows so that my cows are healthy, that they're producing healthy milk for that delicious cheese. So I think it's okay as a society that we just accept the fact that we're gonna pay a little bit more for quality food. You go to your customer, not with your hand out, but with a handshake. I am going to trade you, I am going to gift you with a very densely nourishing product. I have harvested all the sunshine on my farm. Pasture has harvested it all. My, my cows harvested that and I harvested their milk. And here I'm gifting it to you in this cheese. What is what is it worth to you? What is it worth? Definitely worth more than that coffee in the morning. Now, Inga, I don't think you should ever have to apologize for charging what your food that you're producing is worth. Your cheese is just better than cheese that you'll get other places. And just like in every other area of the world, you pay for things that are better and are higher quality and that take more time. Like if you go see a teenage singer-songwriter in a coffee shop, well, you give them a little tip and that's great and you'll enjoy your time there, but you're gonna have to pay more to see that world-class musician at the local theater. Right. It's just a different thing and the same should be considered with our food, that if you're buying a better, higher quality food that took longer to make, you should expect to pay more and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Well, and here's the other thing too, when I think about it, so when you're buying a piece of my cheese or some sweet corn from Helen, you're not just supporting our two farm families, you're supporting the whole ecosystem behind us. So you're supporting clean water, you're supporting native plants, you're supporting the bird species that are living on our farm, turtles, bees, all of there's there's so much more behind it. You might hear a lot, we vote three times a day with our food dollars, what we eat. So when you're paying that, that premium for the grass-fed steak from Helen's farm or the cloth-bound cheddar from my farm, you're saying, we like what you're doing on your farm. I've never thought that when I buy cheese that I'm supporting the bees. <laughs> this is why you shouldn't argue with your wife at the grocery store. I, should, I will never argue with her again, ever, ever again, I promise. <laughs> Now, one of the things that's not true, by the way, I'm sure I go home today and say something stupid, but one of the things that's interesting, and this is why I love passionate people like yourself, is that you work so hard to produce what you produce, and that's the same for farming or anything else in the world. I love passionate people because they believe so much in what they do that they're willing to work hard, and let me tell you, 
when I think about farmers, that's a different kind of work. That's a work that me with my clean fingernails can't even get my head around. And so why is it that you work so hard to farm in the way that you farm? Well, I mean, this sounds so silly when I say it, but like, I really don't feel like I'm working and it just, it makes me literally giddy. Like the other day I was bringing in a, a, one of our cows had a calf and it was just like a beautiful evening and the, you could hear the birds singing. I was bringing in the mom and the baby and I was literally like dancing and singing and my husband walked out and he's like I just love seeing you back in your element of farming and being here and it's just for me it's just like a big playground and you get to do something different every day as I see the farm changing around me after the 14 years I've been on this farm and you see like these little new plants popping up and you see life back and it it is just like so vibrant and the cows I mean I I can see this cow smiling and I love that cows can smile (laughs) and it's just you know it's just like they're my best friends and so that's why I do what I do is just because it brings me so much joy and I feel a little selfish saying that because like with Helen she's thinking about so much more than just her joy she's really thinking about how she's leaving this for the next generation when I hand a dozen gorgeous golden cobs of sweet corn to a mother who's got a belly bump or to someone in their golden years, they're further along in that arc of human age, it gives me a profound sense of satisfaction that they are being nourished. Nourishment means so much. Most most food available to most people is not nourishing. That's why, that's why we do it. I'm nearing the age of 70. When I draw my last breath, I want to be able to say, I left a healthy, vibrant, complex soil. I would be in agony taking that last breath knowing that I had did otherwise. A few weeks after I lost everything in my barn fire, Helen sent her husband Bob over with a load of organic hay. I can't even describe to you the emotions of just relief and pure joy that I felt. Their gift to pay was the only way I was going to be able to feed the cows through the winter. To honor their overwhelming gift of kindness, I started making a beef roast cooked on a bed of organic hay. Cooking a roast in hay is an ancient method of cooking. It can add a bit of smoky hay flavor to the meat, but mostly it just looks really neat when you serve it. And it's definitely a conversation starter. To start with, you need to find yourself a few big handfuls of really high quality organic hay. Soak that hay in water for at least six hours or even overnight. Now you wanna take your roast, whether you're using a beef roast or lamb, or you could even use a ham for this recipe, and get that nice and seared on all the sides. Take that hay out of the water, shake it off a little bit, put that in a heavy bottom pan, preferably a cast iron. Now set your seared off beef or lamb or ham right into that pot. You can go ahead and add some herbs and some different flavors like that too if you'd wish. Put the top on and then cook that in a low oven for a long time. When the meat's finished cooking, serve it on a platter with fresh hay for decoration, 
add some beautiful purple clover, some wild lavender, and whatever else you can find out in the pasture. Make the plate really beautiful. Slice your meat up and serve it with your favorite sauce. Enjoy. Well, Matt, what did you think of our journey today? Inga, I think maybe we should do this again. <laughs> Let's do this again. Let's do this every week from here on forward. I'm into it. Well, thank you so much for coming along with me. And I hope all of you will gather with us next time around the farm table. If you like this podcast, be sure to help us out by subscribing to it, rating it, and writing a review. That's the best way to get this show in front of as many people as possible. And if you'd like to find more recipes, connect with farmers, and watch our television series, find us at AroundTheFarmTable.com. 